0: Welcome to The Busy Latter-day Saint, where righteous desires and living life come together. Here members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints discuss their challenges and successes in studying the scriptures. I'm your host, Richard Bernard. Before we hear from our guest, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and leave comments. This will help the podcast in reaching a larger audience. Also, invite your friends to listen. Information on how to reach me and a link to my website are in the show notes. The music for this program is by Marvin Goldstein and used with his permission. And now, today's interview. Well, welcome, David. Thank you. Um, It's a pleasure to be with you today. And before we get started with uh, you telling us a little bit about yourself, I never told you this, but you're the one person that's helped me to dig deeper into the scriptures. And you did that by talking about your teacher, James Falconer, and um, his two books, Scripture Study Tools and Suggestions, and also the Book of Mormon Made Harder, Scripture Study Questions. And from that, and then the few times I've spent with you with the Scriptures, I really started
1: learning to dig deeper, and I want to thank you. Well, you're welcome. There's hardly anything better than a deep dive into the Scriptures, so I've, I've enjoyed it. So, David,
0: why don't we start with uh, you telling us a little bit about yourself?
1: There's not much to tell. I currently am the Chief Operating Officer of the More Good Foundation. I have a passion for scriptures, Spanish language, mountain biking, and, and the gospel. And so, right now, I serve as a bishop and have been for four and a half years. And so, we'll see what happens upon my release. Who knows? Well, I
0: know you definitely enjoy biking. And um, I see that your family, at least I think it's your son, I see on Facebook, he enjoys biking too, doesn't he?
1: He does, yes.
0: Yes. And your daughter got married recently. I
1: I, how long ago was it? That was, That was. Uh, we're going to come up on two years in November, so it's been a little while. Oh, see, I, I didn't know she was
0: married when I was <laughs> talking to her just like nine months ago or something. and. Then I saw she announced that uh, she's expecting.
1: Yeah, she's expecting, and and uh, and she. What was interesting is uh, she got in a pretty serious mountain bike accident. We were in St. George, and and she broke her. She had a compression fracture fracture on her vertebrae. So oh my goodness, she, she's gotten over that. She's fine now. There's several stitches, and it didn't hurt any of her any pregnancy, and and so we're excited to have our third grandchild. Well, that is great news. Now, the other thing I've teased
0: you about before, uh, you were a philosophy major, if I remember right. Correct, yes. And I asked you one time how you can be active in the church and still be a philosophy major.
1: (laughs) You are not the first person to ask that question.
0: (laughs) And then I later learned, if my memory serves me right, your daughter also majored in philosophy. She did, yes. So you two must have
1: interesting conversations. Yeah, most of the time it's, it's very civil. There's occasions when we, we lock horns on something and, you know, we'll argue about, is, is this the correct logical fallacy or is that one? And, <laughs> and, and you, know, it, you know, it just, uh, father-daughter talk, it's banter, it's kind of nice.
0: Yeah. Well, now, you also served a mission and you're fluent in Spanish, which I assume it's because of that mission. Where did
1: you serve? I served in Chile, Bina del Mar Mission, Uh, That was in 1983, 1985. It might have been the impetus to my Spanish language immersion. And I I really don't call myself fluent because uh, whenever we do any, we do quite a bit of work in the Spanish language and whenever we do a recording of any kind, my Spanish is not good enough to sound native enough to be passed off as a native. And so uh, I I think fluency is is a really loose term and, and we, we, I think we overuse it too much, but we, for example, if we have a video to do, we will not let anybody that hasn't grown up in a Latin American country, or at least grown up in a Latin American family to even participate, because the language just isn't good enough.
0: Oh, wow, I didn't realize that. Well, while we're talking about More Good, what is the More Good Foundation? Kind of give you an elevator
1: pitch, more good, uh, more good enhances church reputation and messaging on the internet. In, in a nutshell we work in 16 languages have several uh, hundred platforms in social media and on the web and uh where our biggest language is spanish bigger than english even and so we um but we portuguese english is number two portuguese number three we worked in we have presence in fin- finnish and danish and several other languages that we we try to um, offer good content to.
0: Well, I think it's a great organization. In fact, I have a link on my website to your website because um, I really encourage people to, um, to read it. Well, let's get into the scriptures. Great. What, what is your... Well, I guess let's, let me put it this way. Do you have a regular way that you study the scriptures or does it vary?
1: It varies, and I think it has to. Uh, sometimes I'll do a front-to-back reading of the Book of Mormon. It's a probably, I'd say, 75% Book of Mormon, 25% everything else, because I am so fascinated with the Book of Mormon. It continues to just yield and yield and yield, and the more you, deeper you dive into it, the more you dive into it, the more it yields. The fecundity is is astonishing. So, I'll spend most of my time in that, and sometimes it's a front-to-back reading. I've I, did one reading in 11 days, front to back. But that was more for context than anything else. It's, it's difficult to pull anything of any depth or depth out of it, but you need to read for context. And then sometimes I'll pick a keyword. And in that keyword, the last one I did was the word heart. And the word heart for a Nephite is not the same as the word heart for us. Nephites have a different worldview of the word heart, as I found in my study and other times it's a concept, other times it's a passage of Scripture that I will take in great depth. Like I'll study uh, what we call a pericope, which would be, uh, say I want to do uh, Mosiah 3, beginning at verse 3 down to verse 12 or something like that, and I'll go through that passage again and again and again, pulling out all the keywords and studying that passage in depth. So those are the general ways I study. I don't study where I'll, I go through the, a slow reading front to back. It's it's far more intense than that.
0: Well now, you said the meaning for heart for the Nephites is different. How did you come to that
1: conclusion? Just, uh, I cataloged every single reference of heart and I looked at the way it was used. And for, for heart, a Nephite can think with his heart. And we usually feel with our hearts. Now there are passages where the word heart is used where Feel is a closer definition than think, but in most cases, a Nephite is going to regard uh, thinking with your heart. So you have to think about it as a a passionate thought, or a passionate thinking, and a a desire and dedication to something rather than a feeling like we say, I have strong feelings for someone in my heart. Uh, They don't don't use that word the same way.
0: Okay. And you said you catalog it. Do you use a spreadsheet? What do you do?
1: I do. I use a spreadsheet, and there are 398 references I'm going to say to the word heart in the Book of Mormon. I have all of them cataloged on a spreadsheet, and then I'll go through and color code how they're being used. Uh, So in some cases, it's going to be the word heart will be used as in hard-hearted, which really means hard-headed, to to illustrate the point of heart being uh, a think more than it is a feel. Uh, but then I'll, so I have maybe seven times, seven ways of the, the, the word heart is category. And, and there's, been, there's also some really neat serendipitous learnings that I get from a study like that. One is uh, Mosiah 1, I'm going to say 9. I have to look, let me look, I'm going to look it up while we're talking. Mosiah 1, 9, which contains initiatory language. Which I never would have come across that had I not done a deep dive into the word heart and gotten into the, you know, cataloging everything. So I'm going to just uh, take a look at that one because it's so, so interesting. It's 2 9. There's not 1 9. Okay. So if you take Mosiah 2 9, and this, I encountered this because of the word heart. And in the last part of the verse, he said, But that you should hearken unto me and open your ears that you may hear, your heart that you may understand and your minds that the mysteries of God may be unfolded to your view. So if you, if you pay attention to that, it is some initiatory language in that, like you receive in the temple initiatory. Mm-hmm. The second part of that, he said, your hearts that you may understand. Understanding with your heart is more of a think or a, a cognitive process more than an emotional process. And so that's one of the evidences also of Nephite metaphysics, as it were, where where they're using the word heart in a certain way, different than the way we use it.
0: All right, that's a great example. Now, you said you look for keywords. Exactly what keywords are you looking for? Or is it by subject? What exactly is going on?
1: If, if I'm doing the, the, the reading I mentioned about taking a, a doing a deep dive into a section or a Perico, I'm looking for, I'm going to go in and define just about every word that, that comes across. and so. If I mentioned uh, Mosiah three, especially in verses six and seven, uh, we've got we've got almost a parallel to uh, Alma seven, eleven, twelve, and thirteen. So he he, he says, and lo, he shall suffer temptations, pains of body, hunger, thirst, and fatigue. And then that references really closely to Alma seven, eleven, and twelve, which talk about he shall suffer the pains and sicknesses of his people. So. And so I'm going to look for every, I'm going to define every single key word in that. And one of the, one of the really interesting key words in Alma 7, 11, 12, 11 and 12 is when uh, he uses the word sucker. He shall, so that he may know how to sucker his people according to their infirmities. Elder Holland points out that the word sucker uses the root word of correr, which in Spanish means to run to. And so that he he learns these things so that he can run to us in our infirmities. It's a beautiful little, illustration of, of taking a word understanding the of it seeing how it's applied and learning a doctrine from it that jesus will run to us when we are infirm in some way and, and that you know as descriptive of that another holland points that out in his book uh, christ and the new covenant but all these things i, I I'll take the keywords the, the words that are key in the sentence and define every single one of them look for cross references so the kind of thing where i would take say i go from Mosiah 3 Mosiah 3 3 through uh eight, through 9 it may take me a full month to get through and exhaust what I feel like I've been able to exhaust uh the topic the words the meaning and so forth the the other side benefit from that is it's embedded in my memory and I never I, I never need to and it comes up in conversations so often when it's front of mind it comes up in conversations so fluidly and so often that I can I can tell you where things are in the scriptures. That the, there's no other way than the deep immersion to get it, so that it becomes a part of you and a part of your normal conversation, and therefore you'll never forget it.
0: Well, now you talk about defining words. Do you just use a dictionary? Do you go to an etymology dictionary exactly, or do you go to the Hebrew? You may, you mentioned Spanish.
1: Exactly. Yes. How do you
0: get how do you get the meaning of the words? Now I do the same thing. I um i quite often go to the hebrew um i don't know anything about greek i'm more familiar with hebrew but um then the etymology of the word and everything and um uh, in fact i was just uh, looking at um the word mercy and charity um charity doesn't exist in the old testament in hebrew but that word sometimes that should be translated as charity is just uh, translated as mercy or love, which I find interesting. So exactly what, what do you do to, to get the meaning of these words?
1: I do what you do, and I find Greek irrelevant. We're not completely irrelevant, but less so because of how Hebrew the Book of Mormon is in terms of its document and language and structure and, and you know framework. Uh, but I also use an 1820, Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Of the English language because that's the closest thing we have to the language Joseph Smith would have used. I think 1806 is probably a little more accurate, but it's easier to find 1828 uh, dictionary on the internet. It's it's very simple, and so you can you can plug in words there. So I'll look at every possible meaning of the word, and I'll determine for myself what I think is the most appropriate definition of the word, and well, but while allowing for other possibilities as well, and. To, to round it out so that's that's kind of what I do
0: yeah, I have the um, the eighteen twenty eight dictionary uh, on my device, and I will turn to that. In fact, I was just reading an article the other day that said some people have argued that during the time of Joseph Smith, the uh, English language or the American English language hadn't been standardized. And then the article was that, no, it had. And they po- they point to Webster's uh, Dictionary and things like that. And as I tell people, words change over time. I, I re- still remember my teenage boys seeing a car and said that was really a bad car. And what they meant, it was a good car. <laughs> it was very stylish or whatever. And I, I teased them. I said, well, if it's a bad car, why do you like it? No, Dad, you don't understand. It's a bad car. <laughs> and yeah. so... Uh, language does change and um, I was always fascinated with the why Nephi starts off talking about being born of goodly parents and what did goodly actually mean and uh, in searching that I found that it's not exactly what we think it is yes I'm sure they were good parents obviously from the scriptures we can see that but it had a lot more deeper meaning in that um, his parents were, were well-to-do in the community. They were looked up to. They were highly respected. And he then goes on to talk about learning the language of his father, and that brought me to studying exactly what was the educational level and the literacy rate at that time. Had anybody done the research? And I was surprised. There's been quite a bit of research on what the literacy rate was during the time of Lehi, And something like 98% were illiterate, and if they did go to school, the boys learned about farming and they learned about the holidays and the girls learned about cooking and, and uh, the observance of the holidays. And that was their schooling. It wasn't really to read. And so when I look at Nephi in that first verse, it's, his parents were highly respected in the community. And because of that, we know Nephi was quite wealthy. He was able to provide an education for, for Lehi. So anyway, that was my take on it, and somebody might disagree with all of that. But uh, I just love de- delving like you do into the key words and really understanding what a word means. As Rush Limbaugh said on radio years ago, words have meaning.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, they do, and, and let me let me just piggyback on that idea. Uh, we we everybody brings brings to to bear their linguistic heritage and and ours is very very greek and we could get into a discussion about just how greek our sociolinguistic heritage is but it's enormous the influence of the greeks which means that we're more concerned about things than processes and so with the book of mormon you can, if you if you don't if you're not humble about the study of it and don't allow it to speak for itself you can pull things out that are not warranted, or you can uh, you can look at things and be very confused. I'll give you, you know, one example: is that the at Sabinadi, and this is chapter 15, verses 1 through 4 of of uh, Mosiah, and he said he goes through this discussion about God being the Father and the Son, and then and so most most readers get hung up on that it's confusing to them and they they go they forego it they just don't know how to deal with it and then some readers will read it and make an excuse for it and some people will read it and try to fit it into a, a worldview that they already have without without the Book of Mormon, without letting the Book of Mormon worldview speak for itself So it requires a lot of humility to get through passages like that and there's one I take people through and this is in this is Alma in Alma 11, and it's when Zeezrom and Amulek are speaking to each other. And they go through a dialogue, and Zeezrom seems to be uh, interested because I think at this point he's starting to think, wow, there must be something to this. And so he's starting to ask questions in a little more sincerity, but not still not. He's still trying to kept, you know, trip up Amulek in, in his in language. And then he says in verse 38, Now Zeezrom saith unto him, is the Son of God the very eternal Father? And then I'll ask the question of someone I'm talking to when I'm explaining this point. I'll say, well, is he? Don't read the next verse. Is the Son of God the very eternal Father? And to a person, we modern Latter-day Saints say, no, there is a Father and there is a Son. And the Son of God is not the very eternal Father. There are two, there are two gods. There's a separation between them. And I think a lot of that has to do with, one, Platonic metaphysics, and, two, with uh, a rejection of Calvinism, which had, whether the Crees, rather, which had, had them being one God. And then we get Amulek's answer, and Amulek said unto him, Yea, he is the very eternal father um, of heaven and of earth, and all things that in them are. He is the beginning and the first and the last. So Amulek says that the Son of God is, in fact, the very eternal father. So, we, so at this point, you have to scratch your head and say, what am, what am I misunderstanding? Because I really believe that the Son of God was different from the, the Eternal Father. But if you let the Book of Mormon speak for itself and you're humble about it, you'll find that that it has its own way of looking at the Father and the Son and the Godhead, which is unique and powerfully fascinating. And it's changed the way that I, that I think and act and pray because of the words of these of these prophets. And just time after time, uh, the Book of Mormon insists on there being one God. And we modern members of the church insist on there being three gods. We want to talk about their separation, probably in response to worldview and also the creeds. But it, the Book of Mormon is kind of pulling the other direction, saying, no, they're one God, and this is important. So it's it's things like that, that, that if you leave your intellectual baggage, try to leave as much as as you can behind and let the scriptures in the Book of Mormon speak for itself, you're going to draw different conclusions than you would if you were to uh, try to fit it into a nicely, nicely structured worldview.
0: Yes, thank you for that. I think it's extremely important. As a bishop, of course, your main responsibility is the youth. And before COVID, um, where you actually were able to meet with the youth. or Well, I, let me ask, are you meeting with the youth online anyway, or how, how are you managing that?
1: Uh, it suffered a bit. We do have text streams in which, you know, one of the last questions I asked all the, all of my priests was, okay, or I think it was it all the young men, probably all the priests. I said, okay, what's the connection between creation and resurrection? And I knew they wouldn't have the answer to that but it's an important question. And a being who can create and resurrect and resurrect is the same act of reorganizing, reorganizing reorganizing elements or organizing elements. So Jesus' act of creation, where he learned from the Father how to do that, how to organize elements, and then the resurrection of his own body is important. But then, then I asked him, what does that say about his ability to heal you? If he can organize the earth and he can organize his own body and as we learned in Alma 11 or 7, 11 and 12, he can come running to you, and he suffered these things to heal you. What is the, what do the creation and resurrection say about his ability in your life? And we had a really nice discussion. We had, you know, three or four priests didn't chime in at all, but several of them were fascinated and said, you know, wow, can 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 I, can you tell me more? Because the ones who were start to get ready for missions want to know a lot more, and they're curious, and so. So, and, and I, I've done this throughout my entire time as bishop. When it's my turn to teach a lesson, which I'm quite jealous of, um, all we do is open the Book of Mormon and start, start reading narratives and discussing the scriptures. And I've had a few that have, sur- the sur- from their missions, have sent me uh, emails saying, I really miss the time when we would sit together, open the scriptures and just discuss them. And so I think that's the, the most effective way and means that I have to do things, and it's going to happen this coming Sunday. We're going to have an outdoor activity where everyone will be spaced six feet apart, where everything will be sanitized, wherever, wherever the treats given out will be individually packaged, and so forth. There will be a lot of care taken, and masks on. <clears throat> but we're going to apply the the missionary efforts of Alma the Younger and the Sons of Mosiah to the difficulty that or the uncertainty that they feel in an era of COVID and many other things, because that's the greatest fear is uncertainty. What's going to happen to me? Will I have a job? Will, will I be able to do things that I, that I want to do? And the uncertainty really damages them in lots of ways. And we need to make them more robust and resilient. So we're going to talk about Alma and the sons of Mosiah in that context. When they were going to the Lamanites, what kind of uncertainty were they under? What did they think was going to happen? And how did they, with great faith and strength and purpose, go in, in in spite of the uncertainty? So that's going to be the discussion that we have on Sunday after we've gone through hearing all of their concerns. But that's, that's what happens.
0: Well, I was always impressed. Uh, you shared with me a few times uh, sharing the scriptures with the youth. And I guess my pet peeve within the church, like in Sunday school, is they'll ask somebody to read a scripture, and then once it's read, they say, okay, now, and they don't get into the scripture. It's like, well, we read it, now let's get on with the lesson. (laughs) And I've always liked the idea that you start asking questions that are not so obviously there. And uh, when I haven't been able to teach the gospel in some time, but um, as far as a class setting, but that's, to me, what it should be about, is to... Um, t- to get something out of it more than just the words because there, there there's so much in there. I remember when I first moved to Utah and I was in the deaf ward and uh, that's when the high priest would meet separately and they asked me to teach a lesson and I did. And all we did was go into the scriptures and um, I kept asking them after they read, I said, would you tell me what you're feeling after you read it? And boy, they looked at me like I was from outer space. <laughs> and it took them a while to start understanding what I'm talking about because um, as I taught in the MTC when I was tutoring missionaries is that what the words say is not necessarily the revelation you're going to receive and I found that happen time and time again and I find it's happening with the youth that you work with yeah it's
1: it's so it's so true and and the meaning that they will pull out of a given scripture the one of the one of the really beautiful things about the 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 way I teach how to one of the ways I teach how to read scripture is is I'll say okay let's let's take the Good Samaritan the story you all know the story and there's a uh, so there's two ways to interpret that story there's many ways there's there's in fact there's deep deep content in it but at least two ways to discuss one is I can make evaluations of all the people involved so a man falls among thieves and a Levite passes and a priest passes we'll darn them, rotten people, and the and the, the Samaritan comes along who should not be a friend of them, and he befriends him, yeah, he's the good one. And the, the the second way to read would be to say, a man fell among thieves, he's on the way to Jericho, and he's laying there and a priest goes by and doesn't help him. Am I the priest? And then let that soak in for a bit, and then say, but what about the private war I wage against the Smiths across the street because they didn't invite my daughter to a birthday party? And so, wow, I'm the priest. Oh, my goodness, that, that's unsettling. And you, you have to allow – of a. it's not a monologue with the Scriptures. It has to be a dialogue. And if the Holy Ghost is present during the dialogue – you will receive messages that are completely different from the same passage of scripture from time to time, depending on your needs. So I think you nailed it. That, that there's there's so much individual content to be had if we approach things humbly and ask and make a dialogue out of this out of the scriptures where we're asking questions of the text, it's asking questions back to us through the voice of God. And it causes us to have to answer these questions, and sometimes it's painful and difficult. And I've had several instances where in fact one of them was was quite awful i should tell you about it but i was i was on a run you know you know i like to run and and we had recently had my daughter had invited a person to stay at our home and i we didn't know the person from Adam and she didn't live with us but this person is now living in our home and it was about 10 days and i was annoyed and and i was a little slightly annoyed at her but mostly annoyed at him for not finding a place to go and and then There's a girl that shows up in our home, invited by my daughter, and I'm grumbling about it. And I go off on a run, and I'm listening to Elder Bednar, and and the Holy Ghost said, you need to get into the scriptures. And so I switch it over, so I'm listening to the scriptures on my run, and we get to the end of the journeys of Alma and Amulek. And Alma is uh, succoring Amulek, because Amulek has suffered so much, and he's ministering to him. And he is in his home, and for several days, and then the holy ghost said i've given you two people for you to be an alma to and you're resentful of it and i got a sharp rebuke from the holy ghost and so i went home and repented and the girl who was 17 at the time uh, her parents would not let her get baptized my daughter who runs a who is who directs a youtube channel this this girl had Uh, watched all the episodes on the YouTube channel, become converted to the church, and was waiting for her 18th birthday to get baptized. But she couldn't. So she came upstairs, and I was sitting, you know, finished my run, and I was sitting down. And I had a 45-minute chat with her where I felt like I was ministering to her, where we were having a deep, nice, pleasant conversation about her, about her life, about her parents, about baptism, about all these things. And, And to make the point that the scriptures can rebuke us, and they can uh, t- tell us where we're off course. And if we allow them, if we allow ourselves to be dialogue in dialogue with them, they can teach us things that are blind spots for us. Which this was a definite blind spot for me. Now the end of the story with the girl is and the boy. The boy got baptized, and the girl got baptized. She was baptized on July 4th uh, because that like, that was her 18th birthday and and so and now i'm i'm deeply connected to who she is you know everything about her and when covid ends we'll have her to dinner you know many times on a sunday every about every sunday she wants to come but it was a sweet little ending to a story that began as a rebuke and i think you have to let the scriptures uh, work on you as you say perfectly like how does that make you feel if people are really paying attention to how it makes them feel and think then it's going to be, sometimes it's sad for wounds, and sometimes it's going to re- be a rebuke, but it's going to be exactly what you need at the time. Yes, I agree. I had,
0: I don't know, I'm going to say hundreds of uh, examples of that with working with the missionaries at the MTC. I, the last lesson I would have with them is we would spend about 40 minutes on just one verse, and then I would ask them to read it to themselves and tell me what they're feeling, And uh, they would come back with something like, well, I could see that my mission's going to be hard because it was about the sons of Messiah and and, uh, the difficulties they had. And I said, yes, that's a true observation, but I want to know what you're feeling. And usually I'd had to do that about three or four times, and I even had a few times where maybe it was six or seven and they were getting a little frustrated. And I would say, I think you might think that I'm looking for a certain word, but I haven't got a clue what we're looking for. But I'll know when it's there, because every time the Spirit was in the room, but it just became much more stronger. And one young man, uh, it's in my book I talk about, that um, he just would not tell me what he was feeling. He just would not. And then the Spirit spoke to me and said, he's not even sure he should be serving a mission. He's not even sure he should even be here at the MTC. And so I then told him, I said, I'm getting the impression that you're not even sure you should be here. And with that, he just started crying. I mean, it was bawling. The tears were just pouring out of him. And once he got composure, I asked him again, I said, What are you feeling? And he says, I'm at the right place at the right time. And that scripture had nothing to do with that. Nothing at all. And it was a—it was interesting that the Spirit was telling me what he was thinking. You know, you think of um, Amulek and and Alma when they were with Zeezrom and everything, that the voice of the Lord did come to me, just enough to tell me what his problem was so that I could move forward with it. So, well, one other question now. Um, do you, as a family, read the scriptures daily or do you have a, a system set up?
1: We were really good at that for a long time. In fact, uh, we have, remaining at home, we have a 17-year-old and and that's it. And so his schedule was so hectic, with school and basketball, and, and now he's working full time, that it's been difficult for us. And we need to repent of it. But for many years and decades, we we read the scriptures as a family every day. It was it was seemed to be ineffectual a lot because of the kids yawning, and you know we begin early in the morning before they go to school. And we we used to read a chapter, and then when we'd pause to talk about it, they would go nuts because it was extending the time. And so we finally we put a time limit on it. We said, <laughs> okay, we're going to read for 10 minutes. And then we could read one verse and then talk about it. And then, boy, they had their watches set for the timer. <laughs> you know, and as soon as it went yeah. off, we had to say our family yeah. prayer and be done. Yeah, and well, difficult.
0: yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt there, but that was... The point I was leading to is that when you had that time, was it more reading or was it more discussion, or were you able to get discussions going?
1: Yeah, it was was more discussion, and probably one out of three times we would bring something up and start discussing it, and a kid would say, "Wait, what?" And then we, yeah, a really good sign. Then then we say, "Okay, let's let's explain that. Let's talk about it." So. Usually, I would say the most common thing, we'd get through five verses and then have a discussion about, the, about it, and we'd begin again on the next verse, the next day.
0: Okay, very good. Well, we're ending, nearing our time, and to end this podcast, I always ask someone or the, who I'm speaking to if they would please bear their testimony. Would you mind doing that?
1: I will, and I want to add one other thing in, in the middle of my testimony. Um, because I send out a lot of missionaries, my word is full of them. And usually they, to almost a person, they'll ask me, there'll be two things that they'll say. One is, okay, I don't feel ready. What should I do? And then I, I take them through. I say, okay, I want you to read First Nephi 11 and come up with as many questions as you can for that chapter. And then we'll get back together again. They'll The long biggest list I've had is 25. And usually it's more around 10. And then I show them that I have eight questions on the first verse. In fact, the very first word uh, four. I'll say, what, is, what does four mean? And we'd conclude that it's therefore. And I said, okay, then this is referring to something that's happened previously. What is it? And we'll search for it. And to make the point that how important it is to to really get into the scriptures and to study them. And so we'll go through either by in, in person or by text, go through 1 Nephi 11 in just an incredible depth and the second thing i'll tell them is please ignore preach my gospel now you having worked at the mtc are going to bristle at that a bit but the reason i say it is because it's an inferior book to the book of mormon and if there's a limited amount of time the number one document that a missionary can use that will help them on their mission is not preach my gospel it's the book of mormon preach my gospel is a useful tool to a lot of people the book of mormon is essential and so I, I tell them, you'll get it in the MTC, ignore it for now, we're going to get into the Book of Mormon in some depth, and I need you you know, to drink from its pages to get a full testimony of it. So let me testify to that. The Book of Mormon is the Word of God, as fresh as the morning paper, as President Hinckley has said. Uh, it, is, it is so rich and full, and it keeps giving and giving and giving, and I am so grateful for it, and I testify that the Lord Jesus Christ and His gospel are found therein, and a deep... A deep study, along with contextual study and every other way to study the Book of Mormon, will yield uh, measures of spirit that cannot be that cannot be had any other way. And I testify to that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you. Welcome to The Busy Latter-day Saint, where righteous desires and living life come together. Here, members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints discuss their challenges and successes in studying the scriptures. I'm your host, Richard Bernard. Before we hear from our guest, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and leave comments. This will help the podcast in reaching a larger audience. Also, invite your friends to listen. Information on how to reach me and a link to my website are in the show notes. The music for this program is by Marvin Goldstein and used with his permission. And now, today's interview. Oak, welcome. How are you doing this evening? Great. Thanks for having me on. Could you share a little bit about yourself and your family and some history about you?
2: Sure. My um, original... Uh, history, I guess. I grew up back east in Pennsylvania, and uh, my dad had served in the military and retired in State College, Pennsylvania, where Penn State's at. So I grew up in a college town and uh, eventually uh, left there and served a mission in Houston, Texas. And during the time I was uh, on my mission, um, just had a, a great experience there, as most missionaries do. And um, when i uh finished up i came to utah uh to get an education and find uh lds females there <laughs> there weren't many where i was living and and so i uh, got married and have been in idaho and utah ever since um i work as an accountant and i do it and web marketing and um, I've got uh, five children, and that's, I guess, a little about me.
0: Okay, very good. Now, when did you serve a
2: mission? Uh, 1989 to 91.
0: Oh, that goes back a ways.
2: Yeah. I, I, I don't know uh, what the uh, demographics of your, your listeners are, but... Um, <laughs> I guess I I don't feel old yet, but I <laughs> I I have to look at the dates and go, I guess I'm getting up there.
0: Yes, aren't, aren't we all? Now are all of your children out of the home?
2: No, I've uh I've got one that's graduated from college and uh, I've got one on a mission and uh, another one that is doing some college and and my youngest is 13 and okay. another one at home as well.
0: All right and uh where's the one serving mission
2: in california uh she's in the uh uh good heavens the uh name of the mission just completely slipped my mind between uh, los angeles and san diego area the uh in irvine and so um she's she's just loving it out there but uh, california's been on lockdown because of covid and uh so they've had Quite an experience doing a lot of Zoom and Skype meetings with people, but still having success and um, they've had some really miraculous things. It's been a really great experience for her out there.
0: Yes, I just came back from California over the weekend. There was a wedding. I just I'm from California, born and raised mm-hmm. there, uh, Southern California. But boy, it's just <laughs> I don't like going there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just the traffic and the politics and everything. It's mainly the reason I left about five years ago. So I'm very happy to be up here in, in Utah and enjoying something I never had in U- California, change of seasons. Mm-hmm. So I'm something I I really enjoy watching the change of seasons. Okay. Now, you said you're an accountant. Uh, do you work for yourself or work for a firm
2: or... I work, actually, uh, I I started off in public accounting for a few years, and then I went into industry and worked for a company in Logan, and then it will be almost 20 years ago, I came down and started working for uh, a law firm in Sandy. Uh, A lot of people would recognize it if I said it. It's uh, Craig Swapp and Associates, the one call, that's all firm. Yep, And I
0: I see that all the time.
2: Yep, it's... (laughs) we advertise a lot.
0: Well, you said you did public accounting, so you're a CPA. I am. Mm -hmm. Okay. I was told by an attorney in California, I was 25 years in the insurance business, and I did a lot of working with people who, um, I don't know if I would call them wealthy, but they had sufficient funds. And uh, so I would work with an attorney quite a bit. And um, he passed the cpa exam and also of course the law exam and i was talking to him once and he said the toughest exam is that cpa exam that he's ever taken Mm-hmm. yeah he said that that's the tough one so whenever i know someone's a cpa i kind of tip my hat for you because <laughs> from what i've been told it's it's quite difficult all right. Well, now um, let's get into studying the scriptures now. First of all, when you were a missionary, uh, obviously you studied the scriptures quite often. And when you came back home, were you able to keep it up or did you find it uh, difficult to, to do that and get into real life?
2: You know, I I always, uh, when I got back from my mission, I came out to Utah State and I, I had the greatest experience there with the institute program back then um utah state ran on a quarterly system uh so you'd had three major quarters of the year to take classes instead of two semesters and i i just loaded up on those every chance i got i would take a few classes each quarter and i would find out you know like well who's the best teacher for this subject and um you know i I never really tried to go to a class to say, you know, I got to get an A in this class. That was not my purpose in being there. It was to just glean all of the little highlights and insights that these, you know, men and women that were teaching there had uh, gathered over their years, you know, decades of study in the scriptures. And so I took a lot of notes, had a lot of classes, and that was that was my um kind of out you know relaxation i just loved going to those classes and uh learning from them and when i graduated and left utah state and went into uh my first job you know i i've always just kind of been drawn to the scriptures and just loved studying them and so i i continued with that and uh, about that time computers were uh, becoming a little bit more uh, advanced and as I think sometime around then the, the first digital scripture program came out and I don't remember the exact name of it, it was a DOS program uh, back before Windows for those that uh, remember the such things and I remember really liking this DOS program a lot And you could go in and do a search and it would pull it up and while your search was up on the screen, you could do another search and it would hold that in memory and put like another layer on top of your search results. And then down in the bottom corner of the screen, it would say, you know, like you're on layer two, layer three, layer four, and you just hit escape to go to the, the layer before you. And so... I loved that program because I could like dig into something and not lose my place. And a few years uh, passed, and Windows came out, and the first, well, one of the first iterations of this program in Windows was released. And I was so excited because I thought, oh, this is going to be awesome. I'll be able to see multiple windows at the same time. And You know, because it's Windows. You can have a pane up here and another one up over here and see these things side by side. And that didn't happen. And I was so frustrated and disappointed. I was like, I like the DOS version better. And I, you know, used it, but it just wasn't the same. And I was kind of complaining to one of my friends. And I, I wrote a letter, actually, to the company several pages long on, like, Here's what your software should have been. You know, you could have done this and this and this. And I was really excited to use it. And they wrote me back and said, well, we have a a board of people that, you know, make these decisions. And this was the direction we wanted to go. And I was like, "Okay, but it's not as useful as it could be. (laughs) You know, you could really do some cool stuff with it. And I talked to a a friend of mine and I was kind of complaining about like, oh, I wish they'd done this software differently. And he said, well, why don't you do it? And I was like, well, why don't I? (laughs) And uh, I didn't know what challenges that would entail in front of me. But um, I immediately sat down and started to design something and I put it together and just kind of sketches you know some basic computer art and i started showing it to some people i did a little focus group and this is a long time ago but you know life happened and it put my project on the back burner for a long time and it took me i i started the project probably three times with programmers and something would come up some roadblock and finally a couple of years ago i was like okay I'm either I've either got to do it now or it's never going to happen. And so I I plowed through the obstacles and got the first uh, version released, which any first version is not what, you know, the creator wants it to be. But it was something, you know, I I got it started. And uh, in the next few weeks, we'll be releasing the next major iteration of it. That'll have some new features. It's called Scripture Notes. And. Uh, you've you've seen it, and it uh, it has a great interface for uh, digging deeper into the scriptures, I think, than anything else that's really available at this time. And I'm really excited about some of the features coming out, and the the new foundation of the software is going to allow us to expand and um, add some additional features that are going to be really powerful too.
0: Now, as far as programming, where did you learn uh, programming?
2: I am only a novice programmer. I did not program this myself. I, um, some years ago, my uh, brother-in-law was doing some uh, programming online in a language called ColdFusion. And I played with that Mm -hmm. for a while. I did some projects in ColdFusion. Nothing super advanced. But it taught me about databases and uh, how to you know, do some basic programming. So I understand kind of the lingo and and the logic of how some of this stuff works. And um, so when I've started this project, I've never been a programmer on this project. Um, But back then, you know, 18, 20 years ago, whatever it was, I actually built in Cold Fusion my first version of Scripture Notes. So Mm. for a long time, uh, I have had a very simple version where i had the scriptures down one column and notes down a second column and the the space in between the scriptures would expand if i you know put a lot of notes in there so that my scriptures and notes were always side by side each verse was next to its note okay and i could also do a search for any word and and do like boolean searches which are a lot more powerful than just a single word and the search results would bring up each verse with its note. And so I could just, you know, I've done that for 15, 18 years. And I've just typed a lot of stuff because it's so much more convenient to have your notes visible while you're typing, or while you're reading uh, the scriptures. So uh, it's just been, I don't know how to say it, except it's been a revelatory experience for me to uh every time a thought pops into my head or a question or some insight, I just can record it. I never lose anything.
0: Um, I, I know that on your website, as far as your app, you, you talk about app study the way your brain works. Right. And, and obviously that's what you're talking about is having, taking notes at the same time as looking at the scriptures. Um And I I think the key is being able to retrieve the information without having to go through a three-ring binder or a spiral binder to find the notes you made six months ago. Right. And so um, now, so you do all of your studying actually, what, on a laptop or a desktop?
2: I I have a laptop, but with a larger monitor. And one of the things that will be coming out with uh, not this next iteration of the app, but, um, one of the next projects we'll be doing is the, the mobile development for a, you know, cell phone app and tablet. Uh, but I do all of my studying right now in the morning. I just get up and come down to you know, our computer room and, um, have a nice widescreen monitor so I can see lots of stuff at once.
0: Yes. And it, it seems to me that your, um, app, which runs off a browser, correct? yeah Mm -hmm. okay and so um obviously having a large screen would be very useful i'm going to be very curious to see what happens with the mobile um i'm more of a mobile person i like to move around and so i use the newer ipad pros and things like that Mm -hmm. um I'll, i'll use my iphone occasionally to to read but to actual study i've got to have my ipad with me and occasionally i've come to my mac but um usually i just prefer to use a mobile so i'm really anxious to see the direction you take on that uh, mobile app well tell me about when you get up in the morning and you start studying exactly if you can run run through exactly
2: what you do sure i i like to i like to look at verses and find something that jumps out at me and then i ask like well how is that word used somewhere else or that phrase how, does it appear uh in other verses you know what um you know i might see a word and think man i i've never even seen that particular word before does it even appear in other verses uh and sometimes it surprised me some of the things that have jumped out at me and led me on kind of uh down the rabbit hole, so to speak. And, um, I'll give you an example. One in my first tutorial that I do, this is like one of my favorite things that I ever had happen. I was reading, I think in Alma and I saw the word director, which it was talking about the Leahona Uh, and I was like, director, what, where else does that appear? I wonder if there are other verses that use that word director. I It's like, I, th- I think there's a couple. And, you know, so I did a search for the word director, and I, uh, with my app, you can use wild cards, and so I, uh, you know, I'm in a habit of putting a wild card at the end, because there is actually one verse that says directors, uh, plural, and I was like, whoa, here's five verses, and four of the five verses are talking about the liahona, and There's one verse, though, that had um, a reference to, in the Doctrine and Covenants, uh, let me just pull up the verse here, it's uh, Doctrine and Covenants section, uh, where are we at here, section three, verse 15. And this is the one that when I read this, I was like, oh my goodness, the Lord puts Easter eggs into the scriptures it's like you you don't see like the little Easter egg out in the grass unless you go search for it and this verse says for thou hast suffered the counsel of thy director to be trampled upon from the beginning and that's when I realized like the word director here is a reference to all the other verses that use the word director it, where the, where it talks about the Liahona, and what the Lord is saying is He's the Liahona. He is the director, and and when He says you've suffered the counsel of Thy director to be trampled upon from the beginning, it's like Laman and Lemuel ignoring the Liahona or something. That, you know, like it just brings to mind all these other elements, uh, sort of like I guess sort of like Isaiah, where you know He's so uses so much imagery, this did the same thing for me, just in a in a very small scale to see, you know, here's this word standing out that uh, clearly identifies Jesus Christ as the Liahona. But he doesn't openly say that anywhere else. It's a verse that you would not have seen unless you associated that word director with all the, you know, few verses um, that talk about the Liahona. So I love just looking for words and searching and seeing what they find. I have found many uh, times that there are hidden Easter eggs like that uh, across the scriptures. But you you can't put a complete picture together unless you look at all the instances of a word being used. So that's like a big part of my study.
0: Okay, very good. And um, yeah, I like the way that... That works, and I, I think the key thing here is you're able to do Boolean searches. And for those that don't know what a Boolean search is, I will put um, some notes in the podcast here. So anyway, I'll I'll put that in the notes, uh, a link to, so they can learn a little bit about Boolean, and obviously <laughs> they can go to your website and use that knowledge of using Boolean. Now, on your website, do you have something for new people on how to do searches?
2: Yeah, actually, on the uh, main website, there's a page that is like a search cheat sheet. And so uh, you can get to it under the uh, FAQ at the top of the scripturenotes.com site. If you click on search cheat sheet, you'll see a whole bunch of Boolean Search oh, okay. examples that you can use. So you could just link to that. You, know, you can use quote marks. You can use wild cards. You can use parentheses. Um, you can use uh, plus and minus sign to say add this word, take this word out. So it's it's super powerful. It's way, way better than just saying, okay, I want to do a search for um, sanctification you know yes. you can yes. you can get a lot more complex with your searches and refine that down to something a lot more uh focused
0: yes and i use the um, gospel library um mm-hmm. and the one complaint i have is the search capability um if you're an apple user there is one boolean type search you can do and if you have an Android, forget about it. And I just wish they would expand the uh, the capability to um, have more powerful searching in it. so if if I need to do more powerful searching, then obviously I come to like your app. Um, I also go to the Citation Index, which doesn't use Boolean, but it's Boolean type. I can't remember the actual search name that they use. But being able to search the scriptures in this way is very, very powerful. Now, you've talked about, and I don't think you mentioned it, but I think it's on your website somewhere, or maybe it's from an email I've gotten from you, that um, this helps to lead to revelation. Can you talk about that?
2: Sure. Um, I kind of intimated this earlier, but when you have the ability to take notes. How many, how many times are you reading, like especially paper scriptures, you're reading, maybe you're at church, you're looking at your scriptures, and a thought hits you that you've never considered before, or maybe somebody else in the class even says something, and you're like, oh, I've never considered that insight. Well, unless you write it down, odds are when you get home, you're not going to remember it. And if you only have your paper scriptures, you are, you know, working with a very tiny area to try and write a thought out. And so the the great thing about having a, a memo field, which is like unlimited text next to the verse, is every thought that comes to you, you can write down. And I, uh, not that I'm uh, great and insightful, but I'll tell you, over the years as I have reviewed my notes, as I'm looking at a verse of scripture to see like, Okay, what did I put about this? I've been stunned at some of the stuff that the Lord revealed to me, and I wrote down. Like, wow, I can't believe I had that thought, because I hadn't even thought about that in a dozen years. And here it is, right here. I didn't have to think it again. You know, I didn't have to go through the process of thinking through this, because I already have, and I've got, you know, some some notes down that explain something that's very meaningful to me and so I the, the ability to have especially your notes when you do a search like if I do a search and I see all of my notes together for all of the related verses that's very powerful but what I I did in the description the notes app was I tried to take that one step further and there will actually be another step that I take uh, in a future version of this but when you do a search and you have Related verses. you can save it as a collection and have a master memo field for all the verses So now not only do you get a note for each verse, but you can type a talk or a um, Prepare I know one uh, Sister a uh, friend of mine that's using this to write a book because she can organize Several verses together for a chapter and write the chapter at the top right above all the verses So it's mm. kind of like a split Uh, top area where you're using as a word processor and then under it all the verses with their notes and so it's it's just great because revelation comes by asking questions and as you read as you read the scriptures we should be saying why is that word in here why is that word plural what why did he use this word here you know what does this mean as we're asking those questions I find that if we're willing to write the answers down, the Lord's a lot more willing to to give us something to write down. Sometimes I won't even know what the revelation is, and I will write the question down. And by the time I'm done writing the question, you know, why does it say this? What does that imply about such and such? By the time I finish that question mark, I can start writing and sometimes have an answer an insight that comes to me through revelation just because I was willing to take the time to write down the question i've had that happen i don't know how many hundreds of times uh where you just it comes yes i've i've had the
0: same experience now i'm curious about one thing um not that we go to sunday school or priesthood anymore because of covid but right. In the day that you we did have Sunday school or priesthood meetings, and a something came to you, what were you writing it into? Did did you have your browser open? Uh, were you using a phone? Were you using a tablet? What were what what were you doing to record it?
2: Sure. So in the early days of having my first app, uh, I would every time we went to church, I would always kind of uh, confiscate the church program, <laughs> and that was my little, uh, you know, writing pad to just jot notes down. And then I would come home, look up the verse that somebody had mentioned an insight about, and I'd written the insight down, and then I would transfer it into my notes. And then as uh, time went on a little longer, I had an iPad and I would actually open up my app because I, my first app, I, I put into a website I had as just like a, a back door to it. So I could access it and all my notes at church through my iPad. and And so now I kind of do the same thing. I can use an iPad, I can write notes on the program. Um, just depends on the the length of it. Sometimes I have used my cell phone. Uh, just type out a quick email to myself with the the insight and then you know take care of it after church.
0: Yeah, I think it's very important for people to understand that you don't have to be digital to take notes with the Lord speaking to you. Right. <laughs> uh, a pen and paper will work just fine. Um, I know um, on my iPad, I like to just use my Apple Pencil on my iPad and use Good Notes as the app. It's all open and I can write things down. And then uh, that My handwriting can be converted to text, and then I send that over to, you know, the gospel library or wherever I want or to my journal. And so it's so important that we learn that if we don't write these things down, we do lose them. And you're absolutely right. The Lord sees us doing that and says, well, maybe he's treating this um, seriously. And I know in the last few interviews I've had, this has been brought up, that uh, we need to record as these thoughts come and as we're listening to general conference or sitting in a sacrament meeting, it's so important to just write down what's coming to you. Very, yeah. very important. Well, now, you, with your children, have you been able to teach them how to study like this or have they taken their own way?
2: You know, that's interesting. I, um as they've aged you know we do our family scripture study and i a lot of times i've just pulled up the app and uh kind of broadcast it to our tv and we'll uh i'll see my the, the verses and my notes right there and so we can all review it um but recently uh one of my daughters she's been kind of doing a little work for me and she Wanted to study something in the scriptures, and she hadn't really gotten into the scripture notes app. But she thought, I'm going to try this out, you know. I, and after a couple of days of using it, she was like, This is the coolest thing I can do. <laughs> I can like do these searches and take all my notes right here. And she really got excited about it. And I think that's important for kids to like find a, a good medium of digging that they can really get into the scriptures and not lose their place. Like You've seen this, but for the benefit of listeners, with scripture notes, you can pull up as many different, uh, I call them panes, as you want. So it's like ver- a vertical column, and then you can scroll horizontally through the app, so you never lose your place. If you're studying something and you go, well, what does this mean? You just bring up a new search pane do the search, and it brings up the results in a new pane, and you can just add as many panes as you want, and then when you're ready to go back, you can just close those panes, and you're right back where you started. So it's super convenient for digging into something and not losing track of where you started. That's kind of one of my frustrations with Gospel Library and other programs is once you start to dig down a couple levels, you're like, oh, where was I? You know, Did I... Was was I reading? <laughs> you, you know, you just sort of lose track of exactly where you're at as soon as you start to follow a, a footnote or you know another verse reference, and so it it becomes tricky to to get back to your starting point.
0: Yeah, in the Gospel Library, <clears throat> I'll use the um, the notebooks, and I'm able to send links to there and and make my notes. But uh, again, it. <sighs> trying to figure out how to really say this properly, but what's important is that we study the Scriptures. (laughs) Right. And if you want to use Scripture notes, or if you want to use spiral binders, or three-ring binders, or the Gospel Library, do it, because what is important is to do that. But I do think your app offers a lot of advantages uh, to to Scripture study. Well, um, before we end here, if people want to learn more about your um, application, where, where should they look?
2: the The website is scripturenotes.com. and you know I've got uh, you'd asked uh, a little earlier, I'll just mention this you know for for new people, how does how do you kind of onboard with the app? And so th- you can sign up for a free account and literally, like everything is free. Um, for 30 days and after 30 days everything is free except for one feature which is creating collection notes so that requires a pro subscription and there will be other pro features coming but um, you can uh, you'll immediately start with some tutorials that will be sent to you for a couple weeks every other day you'll get a tutorial that will show you how to use certain aspects of studying to dig into the scriptures with scripture notes. And when you're done with that, then I start to go into a weekly email on resources that are available to you and how to use them to enhance your scripture study. So like I cover the uh, Webster's 1828 Dictionary, which is an amazing resource. Uh, uh, Noah Webster was an amazing Christian. His dictionary is full of faithful... Stuff. Lots of scriptures are used in definitions and examples. It's really cool. And then I go to uh, Strong's Exhaustive Concordance to show people how to look up Greek and Hebrew meanings of words. And then I go to the LDS Citation Index that uh, some people at BYU have done, which is a fantastic way of going backwards. Like, okay, I'll start with this verse. Now, where are all the statements that prophets have made in conference or the Journal of Discourses? about this verse, and you can bring those in. In fact, uh, in my upcoming release in a few weeks, you're gonna be able to click a button in Scripture Notes and go straight to these resources for the verses. So if you say, I wanna see the Greek Hebrew meanings here, you can click a button, it'll open up uh, one of a couple uh, websites like Blue Letter Bible or Bible Hub, And you'll be able to access that, or it'll go straight to the LDS Citation Index. And so that's, I'm excited to have that because it's one click to go to the content for that verse. Um, And then after the uh, resource emails, there's about six of those. Then I just, I do a weekly study topic. And just if people want to start right at the beginning, they can work through those to see. Here's examples of something I'm studying and how I use scripture notes with it and you know, I, I I think I have some creative uh, projects out there, some examples. One of my favorites um, was a project on diagramming, which when I say diagramming, I don't mean like sentence diagramming, but like actually making a visual for something I was studying. And uh, this one day I was reading in the Doctrine and Covenants section 121, and there's a verse that says... Um, Talking about priesthood holders, it says they do not learn this one lesson. And that just jumped out at me. It was like the Spirit just said, now pay attention, there's a lesson here. And what, what happened was I started digging into the Scriptures to understand this one lesson. And it led me through all kinds of things, and I wound up diagramming priesthood, on one side of a a graphic and priesthood um, authority, well, basically priesthood authority on one side and priesthood power on the other, and how we achieve power in the priesthood and how uh, the authority works in tandem with it. It, you know, might not be meaningful to anybody else, but for me, it was it was way fun. I love a good scripture project that lets me dig in and feel like i'm I'm learning. And not only that, but I'm also preparing to teach it, you know, because I think that's really ultimately why we learn that if you're learning with the idea that someday I might teach this and I want to save my insights and things, I I think the Lord just opens up revelation to you to help you prepare for your future. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I I believe the same thing. That's the reason... Um, of course the gospel library is my main one I Mm -hmm. use your app also but um, it's just uh, if I've had an instance where a bishop has come up to me uh, at the beginning of sacrament meeting he's got that look in his face or in his (laughs) eyes and I know he's going to ask something and basically the whole family was sick that was going to speak and he asked if I would speak and I said what topic and I had my iPad with me or my phone and I said tell me the topic I'm ready. And I yes I I, I think that's the reason we should do it and I like I said I have the same attitude. I'm I'm cataloging all of this so that when I have to teach or something comes up that I'm I'm ready. Now you you talked about diagramming. Um have you used mind maps? I I use mind maps. I've used it for um uh, all the Isaiah quotes um uh In the Book of Mormon um, I've done it for the the olive tree uh, chapter five of Jacob and mind mapping helps me because I can then color code and put tags on it and it just helps me to see the the big picture. Um, I first did that with the introduction to the Book of Mormon uh the preface there i I find the way the English is written very confusing for me. And so I diagrammed it out and it became very clear what what was meant. So have you tried uh, mind mapping?
2: Yeah, actually, I did buy um, kind of a, uh, well, a a commercial product a few years back because I saw some of those same advantages in, in doing mind mapping and being able to just kind of like, hey, attach this over here, attach this over here. And in fact... That was one one of my design iterations of scripture notes was a little bit more like that, where I could like say, put this window up here, put this window over here. And I still may do that someday. But um, I've found a lot of value from having a mind map tool as well to help me diagram things that get big.
0: Yes, I, I find it very, very helpful. Well, Oak, I've really appreciated the time with you. I've actually, I've learned some things here that I never thought about before and um, I appreciate your time. Well, Oak, I want to thank you very much for your time with me and would you do one last thing and simply bear your testimony?
2: Sure, I'd be happy to. I I have uh, such a, a love for the Prophet Joseph Smith, uh, as we've been studying the Book of Mormon this year, it's, it's my favorite book. Um, I, I can't not want to study the scriptures in the Book of Mormon. I, I have a such a hard time fathoming how anyone can not open that book and know that it came from God. Uh, I understand how people have, you know, certain issues that they bring up and they question things. But to to see what is in that book is miraculous. And I, I just am so grateful the Lord preserved it and called the Prophet Joseph Smith to translate it. I'm so grateful to, to all the prophets that have recorded and sacrificed their lives and their you know not only in living their lives but often being martyred for you know the the cause and uh I I love to just study the scriptures and I I I guess that's my passion that's why I've um created the app that I did was to help other people have some of those same experiences at, at digging in and receiving revelation. And I'm certainly no expert at it, but, uh, I think joy in life comes from revelation. It's, it's those moments when you know, God revealed something to you and you cherish it and you write it down and it, it means something to you. And i just I just love the scriptures I love uh the Lord and what he's done for uh my family and I um, there's been uh, you know we we didn't really get into to personal stuff i've our family's been through you know our share of life experiences some people call them life quakes and uh everybody goes through stuff and I just am am so grateful to know that the Lord saw exactly what we were going to go through. And he has been there every step of the way for us. Um, even, you know, times of, uh, fear or anxiety arise, but we're always able to cope with that and turn to the Lord for help. And he just, he just sees us through things. If, you know, we put our trust in him and, uh, I just I guess I'll just uh, close that In the name of Jesus Christ Amen